This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. with Wharton professor Mary Hunter McDonald to talk about her latest research, which focuses on how social activists can impact the relationships between companies and politicians. Mary, thanks for being with us today. Thanks a bunch. Now, please give us, to start off, can you give us sort of a brief summary of your research? Oh, sure. So the paper is about a timely topic today with the election around the corner, about corporations' involvement in the political process and their influence over politicians. Uh, There's been, of course, increasing attention to this question in business schools, in the field of non-market strategy. Uh, But most of the research to date on these issues has tended to focus on supply-side questions. So what what kinds of businesses tend to use tactics to try to access and influence political constituencies? Uh, In this paper, we try to flip the the deck a little bit and look at the demand-side factors that play a role in this process. Specifically, when are politicians more or less willing to engage with particular corporations? Uh, And how does a company's reputation affect their ability to access political constituencies. And so our precise research question in the paper is whether large-scale social activist protests affect or disrupt corporations' ability to access and influence political stakeholders. Great. Now tell us a little bit about, so what were some of your key takeaways from this research? Uh So in the paper, we are exploring different proxies for corporate influence and access uh, to politicians. And so we, we look at three separate proxies. We look at uh, the number of a, uh, the amount of a company's campaign contributions that are refunded by politicians. I know this is a surprising proxy to many people because many people think politicians will just take any money that, that you'll give to them. But what we find is that many politicians actually will reject and refund uh, problematic contributions from uh, corporate PACs. The second proxy we look uh, at is corporate appearances in congressional hearings. So oftentimes Congress will actually bring companies into a congressional hearing to share information about a given regulation. And companies really seek out this type of influence because it allows them a real-time way to try to engage with politicians on key regulatory problems. Uh, And the third uh, proxy that we look at are assigned procurement contracts when the government actually hires companies to uh, provide goods or services. So we look in the paper at how a boycott affects these three different proxies for access and influence, and we find that it disrupts all three. So we have a database of all boycotts, and we find that being boycotted is associated with increased refunded campaign contributions, decreased congressional appearances, and decreased um, contracts assigned by the government. Now, were there any conclusions of this paper that came as a surprise to you? I mean, when you started out that you didn't expect to find when you started really digging into the data? I think what perhaps surprised me the most was, well, I was honestly surprised that we had the finding related to corporate campaign contributions. Uh, Just the idea of refunding campaign contributions uh, seemed a bit bizarre to me going into this project, but but the finding was real. It was there, and boycotts lead to to almost a doubling of the amount of campaign contributions that are refunded. I also thought that the amount of real money that companies can lose as as an effect of this um, disruption was fairly staggering. So just looking at the contract example... Uh, for example, uh, let me see, I have to look at my notes, but um, 
So when a company is boycotted, it leads to a reduction of contracts that's equivalent to a roughly $167 million loss in one quarter. That's pretty significant. Yeah. I mean, that could be a pretty big part of somebody's budget. Absolutely. Now, specifically, so if I am, if I'm a company, or even if I'm a politician, or even if I'm a social activist, if I'm looking at this research, I mean, how could I apply this? How, do, how would you apply this research in, in real life? Uh-huh. Well, I think it, so. the way that it is applicable, of course, differs depending on if you're a company or a social activist. Uh, for companies, I think in, in non-market strategy, we tend to talk both about how companies can access political constituencies and about how they can manage uh, contentious social activists. And these are both seen as important parts of a company's uh, control of their non-market environment. But I don't think anyone has ever suggested that these two domains are connected in this way, and that actually engaging with your social activist stakeholders may be important as a part of trying to manage your ability to access and influence your political constituencies and to control the threat of regulation. And I think this would be an easy one. So there is there any particular, I know a lot of these end up in the news. So is there any particular, though, boycott in the news or thing in the news that you think really directly relates to this research? Oh, um, I, so the, the research had a, a sample of all boycotts. And so, you know, some of them are things you would recognize, like the boycotts against Nike for their use of child labor in their supply chain, for example. Um, and some of them are boycotts you've probably never heard of, like the NRA boycotted a company for uh, starting to, to, uh, to for disallowing its employees from bringing guns onto their parking lot, for example. So they're kind of the, the, all different kinds of issues. And if you start looking out for boycotts in the media, in, in outlets like the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, you'll see them almost every day. Now, so what you're saying, though, is that it doesn't necessarily matter how widespread the boycott is or, I mean, doesn't matter, like, how widespread the boycott is uh-huh. or how much press attention that it gets. I mean, uh-huh. does that exacerbate the impacts if it's something that tends, you know, that really spreads with people or just gets a lot of attention? It does. So we actually find two key moderators of the effects in our paper. Uh, One of these is the amount of media attention that a boycott gets. Now, to be in our sample, a boycott already had to receive attention in one of the six major media outlets in the United States. So these are already fairly large-scale boycotts. Um, But some boycotts get quite a bit more attention than others. And we find those that are drawing media attention are much more disruptive because the media attention is the lifeblood of activism. Um, The other key moderator we find is the salience of the issue that the boycotters are bringing. So issues vary in terms of the extent to which the public thinks of the issue as something that ought to be top of mind to politicians at the moment. And so, you know, even in a world where we tend to think of things like environmental issues as being very important, during the recession, for example, even if you were an environmental activist, it was hard to get politicians to attend to your issue because people were, at the moment, more interested in employment. Um, And so at, at different periods of time, in a year, different issues are salient. And for activists, it's important to have the right issue at the right time. Right. And so I guess for a company, it's almost like having that perfect storm exactly. happen to them. Uh-huh. So are there other misperceptions that you feel like this research kind of dispels? Um, I think, so I think that 
we tend to have a, a perception that politicians will just take any corporate money, that they're sort of indefatigably open-palmed when it comes to corporate access. And so our paper is suggesting that politicians have standards, um, which I think a lot of people don't tend to give politicians credit for these days. One interesting uh, side note about the paper is that we find that these standards are held uh, primarily among Democrats. So the disruption we observe in campaign contributions, for example, is primarily coming from liberals. Uh, we see less disruption among uh, Republican acceptees of contributions. Do you have any—I mean, can you— did the paper show any particular reason for that? or I think the reason is that uh, we primarily think that disruption occurs because politicians worry about their reputation being tarnished if they're associated with a problematic firm. And because uh, among conservatives, there's already a general acceptance that conservatives are aligned with the corporate sector, that those associations aren't as scary and problematic to those politicians as they are to progressives. Interesting. And so how do you plan to follow up this research? What's next for you? So uh, my co-author and I now are, are working on a second paper to follow up on this paper where, we're, where we are exploring what exactly companies do to counter this disruption. Because we don't think they sort of sit idly by and, right. and wait for it to pass. So what we find in this paper is that the types of political tactics that are disrupted are tactics that are overt and public, that are easily traceable. And these are the type of tactics that would carry reputational risk for politicians, because you could point to an instance where the politician had been associated with a problematic company. Right. So what we're arguing in this follow-up paper is that uh, because only that type of tactic is disrupted by social activist protest, companies that are protested will turn to more covert tactics and more indirect tactics. So they're more likely to do things that are subject to less disclosure, like lobbying. Uh, they're more likely to work indirectly through their managers rather than at the company level. So after a, a protest, you might see companies' PAC contributions fall, but you should see managers', PAC con or managers direct contributions to politicians increase. Um, and we're looking at whether uh, firms start to use more co-optive measures of political influence, like trying to bring political operatives onto their corporate boards, for example. So it's interesting because I think, you know, probably from the activist standpoint, they would prefer things be done more in the public eye. And what's happening is their efforts are actually creating the opposite effect, like they're, it's creating less transparency as far as what companies are doing. Absolutely. So I, my primary research interest is how firms and social activists interact. And activism really thrives in high disclosure environments where activists are able to easily monitor corporate behavior. So it is an, an interesting and to some extent, I think, frustrating um, side effect of activism that they are pushing companies into darker channels of political influence. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you. This was fun. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.